Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. All right, John chapter 5. Let's jump into this once I actually turn to John chapter 5. And uh, we'll get into one of my, I enjoy this story. I do like this story. Remember, we're kind of in, until we get to Christ the King Sunday, which is the 21st, uh, which is uh, the, the, really the end of the calendar year for the church. And it's the reminder that no matter what your year was like, Christ is still king. Because the reality is that the gospel that Jesus proclaimed and the gospel that Paul ultimately writes about is the gospel that is not simply you can be saved, but the gospel is that the king has come and there's a new kingdom in the earth. You with me? So it's a, a proclamation that this man is anointed. He is the king. Jesus is here and he has arrived and heaven has broken through into the earth and we need to make sure we're part of that. All right. And so, um, so we'll get that. And on the 21st, we start a campaign for four weeks called For Fort Worth with about eight other churches or probably more by then. Uh, us and another church kind of spearheaded this idea of what would it look like to gather churches, not just our church, to reach out and to, and to minister to the city and make an impact in the city. So there'll probably be, I don't know, we'll, we'll know as we get closer. Uh, but on the 21st, we'll start collecting uh, diapers and baby wipes. And the goal is uh, that we meet the need for as many pregnancy centers and as many uh, groups like that for the entire year. Um, we've already contacted four, and they give out on an average about 500,000 diapers and wipes every single year. And so we want, as the church, not just our church, to be a part of meeting that need. So we'll start collecting those on Twitter. How awesome would it be for us to like just take care of the whole thing uh, amongst us and the church to meet that need and to just remind the city that the church is the church, that we are unified, and that we are here to serve. Amen? So that happened on the 21st. Uh, so leading up to that, we'll be doing this series about people who have seen Jesus and the story they tell. All right, John chapter 5, start in verse 1. I think today I'm just going to read all the way through, or at least I hope to, but usually I stop somewhere. I'm going to try to make it all the way through. You guys with me? Can you support me in that? John chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to go 15 verses. Uh, here we go. After this, a Jewish festival uh, took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And by the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there's a, a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades or five areas. And within these de- uh, lay a large number of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And this verse, this next one I'm about to read, is one that you won't find in every translation. They think that somehow it was added as a later note to explain what was going on. It says, waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever the ailment they had. Verse 5, one man was there who had been sick for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It's an interesting question. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. I don't have anybody. But while I'm coming, someone else goes down ahead of me. So Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I feel like we've heard that in another story recently. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And this is, this, I, I have a theory that this is why Jesus healed the man. 
Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your mat. I'm sorry, sir. I've been sitting here for 38 years. You can do whatever you want, but I'm picking up the mat when the man said, pick up the mat. And said, you can't do this right now. He replied, well, the man who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. I mean, I can listen to y'all or I can listen to the guy who said, get up and be healed. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk? They asked him. But the man who was cured did not know who it was. Oh, I love that. Jesus going incognito. Because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, See that you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. We're not going to unpack that. I'm going to let you guys sit on that one for a minute. Verse 15, And the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. All right. I think I made it. I stopped a couple times, but there were just little offhanded comments that don't really count. Let me pray over this. Lord, I pray that your word comes alive in us today. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that even as I speak, the Holy Spirit, you would speak louder, that you would drown out the things that don't need to be heard, amplify the things that do. God, I pray that whatever is not from you would be forgotten, and whatever is from you would be planted and grow and become life-giving and fruit-bearing. Lord, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Interesting story for a lot of different reasons. The first one I would want to mention is that Jesus happens to be walking the streets. We don't really see that uh, his disciples are with him. There's no mention of the disciples in this story. We can assume because that is kind of the role of a disciple with a rabbi is to walk behind them, uh, to kind of walk in their dust, to pick up the dust of of a rabbi. And, uh, And so there's this Kind of, maybe there's an assumption that the disciples are there, but they're never mentioned. So the disciples don't step in at any point. The disciples don't help out with anything. They're at a festival, and Jesus is out walking the streets. I find that to be a really key point in anybody's faith journey. If we are unwilling to walk the streets, we will miss so much of what God wants to do in us and through us. The streets that you walk every single day, maybe many of us drive them, and maybe we can be symbolic with these, and we can say the places you go or the people you meet. The places you go, the people you meet. This is Jesus' kind of MO. Jesus would sit at tables, and he would walk streets. Now, I understand he had no other uh, method of transportation, so he had to walk streets, but Jesus was intentional. He would walk into scenarios and situations uh, where healing was, uh, was an opportunity. If you, find, if you watch Jesus and watch kind of the healings that he performs, most of them, or at least many of them, happen when he's walking the streets of the city. And so Jesus, in the middle of this festival, they're not entirely sure which one. You can kind of guess based on, uh, based on some other factors around it. But regardless, there's, a, there's three main festivals in the Jewish calendar. And so there, there's one of these festivals happening. There's a bunch of people here, and Jesus is walking the streets. And I believe C3, one of the primary missions and visions of our church is that we would have a church that walks the streets. We would have a church that makes an effort to be a part of the city and part of the community that we're in. That we we are placed here like Adam was in the garden, and our desire is to cultivate the soil, to plant seeds, to water it, and let God make it grow. Amen? And so there's, there's something to be said. Even Paul in his letter to Timothy said, let you be of good reputation in your city. Let you be a good, good reputation in the people around you. 
Now, does that mean we compromise on things and we back off of some things? No, but it does mean that regardless of what we stand on, regardless of all of those things, that we would be of good reputation with those around us. It means we love well. It means we serve well. Even if we disagree with people, we're able to talk about it well. Come on, somebody. And so that we, 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 are, we are walk the street types of people. One of my favorite books over the last several years that I've read is called Mere Discipleship. It's by a guy named Alistair McGrath, brilliant guy. Um, you may have heard of the book called Mere Christianity. It's not that book. Uh, Mere Discipleship talks about hope and wisdom. How do we find hope and wisdom? And one of the things he references is a, a, a kind of an allegorical way of talking about discipleship. We can be people who stand on the, uh, on the patio. We can stand on the balcony and try to disciple people that way, which we can tend to be pretty good at. Hey, we're going to stand in the balcony, and we're going to point to you where to go on the street you're walking. Right? We're not in it with you. But we can definitely point out where you should turn left and right and what to avoid. And we can scream at you and yell at you. And and the other method of discipleship is to get off the balcony, go into the streets, and walk this thing out with them. Which one do you think Jesus prefers? Jesus would go on the hill to preach to people who were already following him. But, man, he would walk the streets to make sure that he's leading people through these scenarios and situations. It's because of walking the streets that the disciples would end up in situations where they had to heal somebody or, or do something for someone and not always know what to do. I don't know, we only got like a few loaves of bread and some fish. I don't know what we're supposed to do here. And Jesus goes, okay, well, let's do this. So it's important for us to be people who walk the streets. Jesus comes along this place, this pool of Bethesda at the gate, and, uh, and there's some who think that the five colonnades represents something, and, and uh, there's some who have different views on this story. But if we take it for what it is literally, what we see is Jesus walking into a situation where there are many, and because of the festival that's going on, probably more than normal, sitting at this pool called Bethesda. And they're sitting at this pool called Bethesda because there is this legend that an angel would come down, stir up the water, and whoever got in the pool first would be healed. Talk about pressure. Talk about a situation where you got people who maybe can barely walk, some who are blind, and the pool gets stirred up, and all of a sudden, everybody's trying to jump in the pool first. It can sort of sound a little bit like church sometimes, right? That that you're going to be healed if you do these things, if you you meet this ritual, if you do this kind of certain thing in a certain way at a certain time, and and then then everything will be worked out for you. If you just attend church a certain amount of times, if you just do... All these things that happen, and, and do I believe in, in what we're doing here? Absolutely. But the point being that sometimes we can put all these stipulations on healing. And here's this man who's been sitting there 38 years. Y'all, that seems like a long time. 38 years to be believing for something to change. 38 years hoping that something would move. 38 years of praying for something to be different. 38 years hoping that you would be healed and able to do the things that you believe you might be called to do. 38 years of praying for the same thing over and over. And at this point, just staring and waiting for the water to move. I just wonder every once in a while if like the wind hit the water and everybody thinks it was the angel and like false alarm. But here's a man, 38 years. And based on the way this story goes, it probably was 38 years of sitting in the back. 38 years kind of being on the fringes. 38 years of of kind of hanging out and really going, there's no chance I ever have, so I'm just going to hang out here. It's got to be a weird place to be at 38 years of praying for the same thing and believing enough to be by the pool, but but not actually able to get in the pool, of kind of sitting in this middle ground. 
Why don't you imagine that, right? 38 years. Some of us in this room know that feeling. Maybe not a 38 years, but we know that feeling of believing an angel's going to touch the water, and whoever gets there first is going to be healed, but it's not going to be me. So I want to be close enough to see it happen, but too far to make it happen. Anyone ever, anyone know that feeling? Anyone ever experienced that, that belief that, man, God can, but not for me? God will, but it won't be me this time. I can't get to the front row of church. I can't show up at church enough time. I can't do all the things that they ask me to do. I can't show up at dinner party enough times to get the gold star for the healing that I'm asking for. I can't, I can't do all the things to get me to where I'm supposed to be. And here's Jesus walking the streets. And yes, I have a theory. I have a belief that the reason he picks this guy and the reason he does it on this day is to begin the conversation that, that follows this, this story. But Jesus walks along and sees this man who's been sitting there, and he asks him this question. What does he say? He says, hey, do you want to be healed? I almost, I feel like it's a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a mean question. Like, are you going to try harder? Do you, do you really want this? Do, do you really want to be healed? It's an interesting question. It's kind of an odd question. Well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm at the, I'm at the pool called Bethesda, Jesus. Maybe you haven't heard, but there's an angel that shows up. And she's like, well, yeah, I'm friends with them. And the guys go, I, I'm here, aren't I? And Jesus asks this weird kind of strange question. Do you, and he asks this on a couple other occasions as well. Do you want this? Do you want this? And maybe he's not asking the question to poke at him. Maybe he's not asking the question to make the guy feel bad. He's not asking the question to, to kind of to, to, to demean his faith or to somehow put him in a position where he's having to defend the idea that he's sitting in the back or whatever the case might be. Maybe Jesus is asking the question to see, to stir up, to, to kind of get him to a place where maybe he doesn't settle, maybe he hasn't gotten comfortable, maybe to, to jar him a little bit out of maybe where he has sat for 38 years. Now, do we know that he's always been at this pool? No, but, but something, has, something has gone on where for 38 years he's wanted healing, but he's just not able to get there. And Jesus asked this question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? And this is an interesting answer because the, the man actually doesn't answer the question. The man doesn't answer the question, do you want to be healed? He answers the question of can he be? Isn't that like us? Jesus goes, hey, you want... Want something to happen? Well, let me just tell you about all the reasons. Because what's his answer? His answer is, well, I can't because I have no one. That's his answer. I don't have anybody. It's not even the issue of he can't get down there. He wants to be down there. I just don't have anyone to get me there. Hello, church. That's kind of what we're here to, to, to make sure never happens. We're kind of here to make sure that nobody on your street, nobody at your workplace, nobody in your neighborhood, nobody that you come into contact, the people you, you meet, the places you go, that nobody can say, I've got no one to take me to Jesus. I've got no one to take me to healing. I've got no one to take me to hope. I've got no one to take me to future. I've got no one to take me to calling. I've got no one to take me to peace and no one to take me to joy. We are here to make sure that that's never the response of someone. Do you hear me? A few of you, do you hear me? We're here to make sure that if God ever says to someone, hey, you ready? They don't say, well, I'm not sure anybody can get me there. And here's the man's answer. The man's answer is not, has nothing to do, has zero to do with what Jesus asked him. Do you want to? 
Because an easy answer for that is yes. But sometimes that's not the easy answer. Sometimes because of past experiences. Sometimes because of 38 years. Sometimes because of the depth of the pain and the hurt. Sometimes for all kinds of reasons, we can't just give a simple answer like yes. Sometimes the answer is not as easily provided as simply, yeah, I absolutely want that. Because of all the times where it didn't go the way you wanted, the prayer didn't answer the way you thought it would, the, the situation or circumstances didn't work out the way you expected, sometimes because of other things and sometimes because of the history of things, your answer has nothing to do with want, it has everything to do with how. Well, God, last time, well, God, you know, I don't have, God, I haven't done, God, this hasn't gone well, God, I... And his answer to the Savior, now he may not believe he's a Savior at this point. In fact, he doesn't really know who he is based on his answers following. He simply says to him, I don't have anyone to get me to the water. And so often we respond to Jesus not with, do we want this? But how could it possibly happen? How in the world could this ever happen? Jesus, just like when he sneaks up on the Samaritan woman at the well and goes, I know, no, no, it, I've got a well that you can drink from and never grow thirsty. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense, dude. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm the one. If you knew who I was, I would give you rivers of living water. Same kind of scenario. Here's this guy, sick, 38 years. Jesus says, do you want to get well? And the guy's looking at him going, I don't know you, but I don't have anybody. Are you volunteering to do that? And then Jesus, Jesus kind of out of nowhere just says, okay, how about this? Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. So Jesus' answer to the man's non-answer is to say, why don't you get up and be healed? Why don't you stand up and be healed? It's amazing. Jesus doesn't go, I'm going to pick you up, take you to the water. I'll call one of the angels to stir up the water, and then we can throw you in, and we'll all be good. No, Jesus' answer is, no matter where you are, close or far, if you've met the need or not, if you've done the things you're supposed to do or not done the things you're supposed to do, I am healing here, now, in this moment, at this present time, and at this exact spot. Wherever you sit, back row, front row, somewhere in between, I am present here. Sometimes we just think the altar is the only place Jesus works. Sometimes we think this is the only anointed place where God can do something miraculous. I think sometimes the miracle of what God does is that he doesn't require this to make it happen. Sometimes the beauty of God is that you can be sitting on the back row or sitting at home watching a stream and God begins to stir something in your heart and you're like, they don't even, what is going on? This is online. I'm watching through this thing that I still don't understand. I've never understood how it's showing up on my phone right now. I don't get it. But the Holy Spirit does and while they're talking However many miles away, you're stirring up something. I don't get, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it's wild as Mary was talking about the song they were listening to on the way here. Now, I would tell you right now, my son had taken my phone, so I had to turn it to the radio station. And I know they play like the same four Christian songs over and over and over and over again. But Waymaker came on, and I know it wasn't at the same time because you were at home and I was driving. And I remember going, Casey, you want to worship with me? You want to pause the phone? He goes, yeah. He didn't quite do it right away. Uh, but he did pause it, and we started singing Waymaker. Once it was over, he's like, can I watch the phone again? I said, yeah, you're good. I wasn't making you worship. I asked the question, do you want to be healed, son? Um, and Jesus asked this question, do you want to be healed? The guy's answer is not with yes, 
And maybe that question is for some of you today. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to see this happen? Do you want it? And he's not doing it to kind of beat you up for having frustrated or being, struggling with that answer. He's just putting it in front of you so that you can begin to answer that question. Sometimes we don't answer that question. We answer the how and the what and the when, and we don't answer the why. We don't actually answer the question he's asking first. Do you want to live in the kingdom? Do you want to walk this thing out? Do you want to see the will of God happen in your life? Do you want to see healing and hope and future now, peace, joy, comfort? Do you want this? Because some of us, after 38 years, have gotten very settled in as to what it is. This is just how it is. And I'm not even trying to get you to, I understand the, the, the challenges here, but I, I, want to, I want to put this in front of you. Do you want to? And then the guy answers, well, I don't think it would happen because I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody to take me. And Jesus goes, okay, let's, all right, you're not going to give me a straight answer, so here's what we're going to do. Why don't you just get up, pick up your mat, and walk? And Jesus just heals right then, right there. Doesn't have, to, doesn't have to run anything, doesn't have to stir up the water, doesn't have to do anything, and just heals him. What an amazing moment for this 38 years of prayer, 38 years of want, 38 years of desire, 38 years of, des- of wanting to be healed but being just too far, not having people there to help him. It's got to be an interesting moment for Jesus to say, get up and walk, and him decide whether or not he's going to listen. I mean, you could look like a real fool if you try to get up and walk and it doesn't work. I don't know who this Jesus guy is. I mean, I've seen a lot of people following him around everywhere he goes, but I don't know who he is. He slipped away in the crowd after this happens anyways. He doesn't know what's going on. Do you listen when Jesus says it? Do you, do you do it even though it makes you feel foolish, even though it pushes back against all of your logical, validated reasons for believing it can't possibly happen? Do you listen when Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Do you want this? It feels foolish. It feels strange. It doesn't feel right. And for some reason, this guy goes, what else do I have to lose? I've been doing 38 years, man. I was like, I want to do another 38. I might as well go ahead and give it a shot. And he stands up, picks up his mat, and begins to walk and immediately gets in trouble. Because the Sabbath, this is, this is real stuff here. You break the Sabbath, and you're, you're breaking the law. We're not talking about some good advice here. This is like Jewish law. This is like you don't work on the Sabbath. And notice they're not mad that he got healed, although some Pharisees do get mad later at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. They're mad that the dude picked up his mat. Like how dare you walk in your healing? You should have at least stayed on the ground till tomorrow and tested out this whole get up and pick up your mat thing. They get upset with him about this thing that's going on, you can't, you can't possibly do that right now. You can't possibly, you can't do that on the Sabbath. You can't. Who is the dude who told you to do this? Who's the guy? Give us the name of the person. And, and there's a reason why he probably did. He eventually gave him the name Jesus. I don't, I don't think he's turning him in. I don't think he's trying to get Jesus in trouble. He probably is not entirely sure what's going to happen to him. I think most likely he just is worried that he's about to be punished. He just got into his healing. Like he's just now about to experience this. And if he doesn't say something, if he doesn't do something, man, he's going to be breaking the law again. And then he's going to get all kinds of trouble. And I actually think the reason Jesus heals this man is to begin the conversation. Because remember, what is Jesus' mission on the earth? What's the first thing he ever preached? Repent, because the kingdom of God is what? Near. 
here, right here. Jesus is here. The, the prophecies, all of Jewish history has led to this moment. That's why Jesus says he's the fulfillment of the law. He's not trying to abolish it. He's fulfilling it. Everything you've been expecting is happening here and now in Jesus. So why is Jesus getting this? Why didn't he wait till Monday? Why didn't he wait till the next day to go heal this man? I don't think Jesus did this on accident. I think Jesus is starting something up. Because what Jesus is doing is healing and causing the Pharisees to have to wrestle with this idea that, wait, Mo, no, my rules say we can't do this, but this person's healed. Okay, so let's pick the one thing somewhere in between, the mat. Let's pick up on the mat. Let's argue about the mat. Let's cause that to be the issue. Who told you to pick up your mat? Because they don't want to be the, the people going, how dare you be healed? They don't, they don't want to be that, so they pick the one thing. They, sort of, they pick the exterior thing that actually doesn't matter that much, but they want to argue about something, so they argue about the mat. So they tell them to pick up the mat. You know, who told you to do this? Jesus. Jesus slips away. Then he goes and finds the man. And then, they tell, and then the man tells them about Jesus. They go find Jesus. They immediately begin to plot his overtaking. They been, immediately begin to plot how they're going to get rid of this Jesus. And they begin this discussion around the Sabbath. They begin the discussion around why. And you've heard Jesus in, in other gospel stories. You talk about uh, the disciples. Well, the disciples, why would they? Uh, they're, they're with the groom right now. Why would they stop right now? Like, no, this is, I'm doing this. And then he, he actually says to these Pharisees, he says, hey, the Lord is working. My father is working and so am I. God's up to something and so am I. And here's something really, really important because Jesus came to announce the kingdom. And what he's doing in this moment is healing on the Sabbath so that he can remind the Pharisees who are serving the Sabbath that God is the one who instituted it. That Jesus is reminding them over all things, including the rules, regulations, over all things, including the Sabbath, including prayer, including going to the temple, including opening your, your scripture, all of the things that you do to somehow appease God, to somehow make God love you more. He's saying, I'm the Lord over all those things. I am the one who instituted the institution. I was there when it was all created. I was there when it was all made. I was there who made it so that it could benefit those who follow me. The Sabbath is not for you to serve it, but for it to serve you. And so Jesus is dis dis like deciding right now. He's healing this man so that he can begin, be begin to teach the Jewish men and women. To, he can begin to teach the Jewish leaders of the day that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that he is the Lord, the King who has come. To begin to remind people what it is to live like humans. What it is to live in the image of Christ. What it is to live and understand that the things God has given us, we're not there to beat us down. We're not there to weigh us down, to not make us to elbow each other as we're running towards the pool that the angel has stirred up. Not to live according to some kind of uh, legend or myth, but to realize even in the back row, Jesus can heal. No matter where you are, God can do something miraculous. God can do something mighty. God can do something powerful. No, how, no matter how long you've been waiting for it. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, sometimes we get hung up on the Ten Commandments. We get worried about the, well, I don't, I don't think people will like it because it's legalism. No, 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 it's grace. The Ten Commandments don't show up until multiple, 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 multiple years of God making a way for the Israelites. And then he says to him, hey, because I've done all these things for you, hey, here's the best way to live within it. 
Here's the best way to live with, don't let some other God take your attention from me. Don't hate someone enough to cause them pain, to murder them. Don't take from other people. Don't envy what other people have. Come on, that would be healthy for a lot of us, wouldn't it? God is going, hey, here's how we live in relationship and thrive. And Jesus is reminding them, in the same way God created it as the Jewish story unfolded, Jesus is showing up in the present moment of this man's life and saying the kingdom is near. And regardless of what the Sabbath says, regardless of all the things that you are meant to observe, all the things that you feel like you're supposed to do, I want you to get up and walk. Because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of your healing. I am the Lord of your rest. I'm the Lord of your peace. I'm the Lord of your comfort. I'm the Lord of your future. I'm the Lord of your present. I know how long you've been waiting. I know it was longer than you wanted. But right now, here in this moment, I'm going to bring you healing. Do you want this? Well, I don't know how. Okay, well, let's just do it now. It's almost as though Jesus is answering his how with his how. He's almost looking at this man and saying, I know you don't get it. I know you don't understand. I know you might not believe it. Very similar to Saul the week before, right? We just talked about this. Here's Saul going, uh, for however many years, for 30 years, I've done it my way. And Jesus shows up, road to Damascus, and says, it's going to change. And here's this man who's been waiting 38 years. I, I, well, there's only this way to do it. I just got to get to the pool. I've been waiting. Someone's going to come along. Someone's going to be there. And Jesus is going, well, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And if you only knew who I was, I would give you rivers of living water. If you only knew, if you only understood, when I asked the question, do you want? You would simply say, yes, and I would. I want you guys to be reminded today. I want you to remember today. I want you to, to take deep down in your heart and soul. No matter how long you've waited, no matter how long you've gotten frustrated, no matter how many times it hasn't worked the way you expected it to, no matter how many times you've failed, no matter how many times you've sat on the front row or the back row or somewhere in between, no matter how many times you haven't showed up at church because you felt like something was going to go wrong or you felt like people were going to judge you or whatever, that God is in this moment standing next to you. No matter what kind of rules you've placed on how you're going to get your healing, no matter how many stipulations you've placed on how you're going to make it through, no matter how many uh, answers you've given to the question, do you want to be healed, Jesus is present here in this moment to break in to your problem your situation. Do you want that? Because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of healing. He is the Lord of joy. He is the Lord of freedom. He is the Lord of all of these things. And you and I don't have to wrestle with the how anymore. Because Jesus is here. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for who you are. Truth be told, I didn't come in with a, a great closing statement. I didn't come in going, okay, here's where we're going to end it. Man, this is where we're really going to hook them, and this is how it's going to. I just came in to tell you a story about a man who for 38 years wanted healing, didn't know how it was going to happen. And Jesus, just because he was out walking the streets, sees the man and says, okay, um, do you want this? We sang a song earlier, the Holy Spirit rest on us. Fill me up. I trust that you will. I trust that you can. And some of you in that place right now where you are close enough to the water 
to see it happen in front of you. But you feel far enough away that it'll never happen for you. And the question is the same to you and I as it was to that man laying on his mat for 38 years. Whether you've been dealing with your thing for two days, two months, two years, two decades, same question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Do you want to be made whole? And him healing you might cause you to get up and encounter someone who goes, well, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't have this, and you can't walk this way, and you can't. There might be some challenges even to your future. There might be some things that you got to work out. If you say yes, if you decide let's do this, there might be some challenges that have to be worked through. But God doesn't leave you there. Jesus comes back around after he'd slipped away and said, hey, don't don't get caught up in these other things. Don't, Don't get distracted by sin or temptation. Don't, because my greatest desire for you is that your heart, man, your heart remains whole. That your heart stays at peace. Knows grace. So my question to you today is this. I'm going to let you have 30 seconds or so to talk with the Holy Spirit about it. But do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? It's Holy Spirit, you're here. You're ready. You're wanting. You're willing and you're able. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Don't give him the how right now. Don't give him the how. It's a great story because it reminds you how you can answer. Don't give him the how. Do you want to be healed? Yes. Do you want to be healed? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's do this together. I'll give you 30 seconds. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Whatever you want to ask him. Holy Spirit, can you heal me? Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me out of this story? Holy Spirit, how can I see Jesus more in this moment? What do I find out about Jesus? How can I walk this week differently because of this? Some of you, the Holy Spirit's already been talking while we've been talking. Already been bringing some new things up in your heart and your spirit. Trust Him. Trust the Holy Spirit. myself. We're going to just stay up here. We're going to pray with anybody who wants prayer. And uh, I just believe God's going to set some people free today. I believe God's going to fill your heart. I believe some of you are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus showed us what it is to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, but also with the gifts of the Spirit. I believe both are present. Both are available. So I want to pray with Mary and I want to pray with you guys. And um, if it goes a little long, you're, you're free to leave, but um, I'd love for you to hang out. If it does get a little overcrowded, I'll 
just call some of our team to jump up with us and pray. Um, but as we sing this song, Pastor Mary and I are just going to be standing here, and we'd love, for you to, we'd love to pray with you. If you're going, man, I want healing. I want to answer that question. I want, I want God to move today. I want to pick up my map today. I want to pray with you. All right, so let's do that. As the Spirit was moving over the water. 